folks. Welcome to another episode of Health Shift, the podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind, body, and spirit well-being. We don't want your health to be shit. We want you to make a shift. Please note that these discussions are not medical advice, nor should they be used in place of medical assessments and treatments. So let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Steve Cunningham. I have had the privilege of working with Steve personally through my cancer journey and have sent many clients and friends to him over the years for his deep healing touch. Steve is a licensed massage therapist and acupuncturist practicing in the Boston, Massachusetts area. He received his master's degree in acupuncture from the New England School of Acupuncture and graduated from the Muscular Therapy Institute as well. Steve is also a certified yoga and movement educator who is passionate about teaching his students self-care techniques and body awareness to aid and prevent chronic pain. I've had the opportunity to do yoga with Steve as well. Prior to practicing bodywork and acupuncture, Steve worked in the field of sleep disorder medicine for over 14 years as technical director in several of the Boston hospitals. He has also authored over 16 research articles in a variety of topics of sleep disorders. Wow, we're gonna have to tap in about that one as well. <laughs> Since 2004, after his training in acupuncture and bodywork, Steve has maintained a full-time busy practice treating clients of all ages suffering from a variety of chronic pain conditions. Thanks for being with me here today, Steve. So let's get started. You're welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. <laughs> yeah. So tell us your story, how you got to where you are today. It sounds like you've taken a similar path to me, conventional to non-conventional. Uh, actually, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. You know? Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that um, one of the, the catalysts for the change, the, the, the career shift, um, was uh, I had my own little self-transformation um, that happened to me uh, from a from a health a health crisis. Uh -huh. So uh, I was 34. Or so I, I came down with this purpura, which are these little you know your blood vessels, right? The red blood vessels sort of erupt, and uh, it was diagnosed, you know, idiopathic. I think it's idiopathic leukocytoclastic vas vasculitis. And okay. they weren't really even sure. I know it's a mouthful, huh? <laughs> yeah. They weren't really even sure on, on, on the diagnosis and or really the treatment, you know, and I was put on steroids and, and, mm. and that condition actually on, it, it, it occurs really on the, you know, parts of your body where the blood settles with gravity. So like the t elbows, the lower extremities, the legs, the tops of the feet. So Eventually, what happened is I actually ended up getting gigarene. Um, oh. on what, yeah, I know. I don't really tell very many people about Whoa. it. Uh -huh. yeah. And uh, so uh, that was sort of a journey in and of itself, you know. So I had to debride my wounds and oh. I had to really watch myself heal, right? Um, but I, you know, I wasn't really impressed with a lot of the physicians that I dealt with, mainly mm -hmm. rheumatologists. Um, but I did meet a lot of interesting uh, physicians and healthcare people along the way. Um, mm -hmm. So actually one of the, one of the people that was really kind of the, the savior is um, this vascular surgeon. And I went to see him and he diagnosed me with gangrene and actually stayed over time, I think for like two hours. And he basically debrided all of my wounds. You know, he's like, this is on Friday night, you know? So, oh. I had, I had some really interesting, nice, um, 
positive notes on, on, on my little journey. But anyway, so I ended up going to uh, a mind body therapist mm-hmm. because as you probably know, like if your physical health is out, you have a lot of other things, skeletons that you need to clear up as well. So, <laughs> so sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I ended up working with this mind body therapist and she was great in Arlington, close to Boston. And I worked with her for a couple of years and we did a lot of interesting sort of mind body things like relaxation and visualization and meditation. And I ended up going to um, the John Kabat-Zinn program, mm-hmm. the mindfulness program. I did that. That was eight weeks. That was really transformational. That's how I got into yoga. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, and then, so I spent about a year with her and then I, she referred me to another person, um, another she, well, she, she goes under the title of a business coach, but she was much more than a business coach. So I called every, you know, three times a week to Seattle and talked to her on the phone for like a half hour and, you know, paid a lot of money, but it was definitely worth it. And through working with her, she, she got me on the path of like, um, what's it called? Deliberate creation. You know, this is before the secret and manifestation took off, you know, movie, the secret and, you know, working on things, manifesting them to come to you. So, um, yeah. And then working with her for four or five months, I just kind of realized that I wanted to do something different. It just kind of was shot down from the heavens in some sense to me. And I applied to massage school and, uh, six months later I applied to acupuncture school and, um, yeah. So that's how, that's kind of like how I, how I made that switch, you know, there's like life events and, Sometimes as one of my yoga teachers uh, and, and, and mentors said to me once, um, like we're all being done unto, uh-huh. you know, it's like, we just have to go along for the ride, you know? And if you, if you kind of relax, hopefully, you know, like I feel like I was lucky enough that I got sort of led into it like a different path. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, that is so cool. You know, it's, it's so true as I, as I talk to more people and listen to their stories and their journeys, it oftentimes is a health crisis that brings us to where we are because Mm. I know early on when I was in nutrition school back in the late seventies, you know, I knew that there was something more than that. And I felt that it really sort of was lackluster in terms of really applying to health. Um, but it wasn't until my own cancer journey and Lyme and staph infection one year right after the other that I said, you know what, I am diving into this functional medicine and getting certified in this because it just meant so much to me. So, um, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, it's interesting how we have some of those common, you know, commonalities. Right, yeah. 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 So tell yeah. me some of the roadblocks in terms of switching over from being in a sleep study unit to now taking on a whole brand yeah. new business. Well, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, that was 18 years ago. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to really like look back. Remember the obstacles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was sort of fortunate because I had a really, a really good support network. Uh-huh. Um, and also like my constitution was, was healthy enough that I could do two programs and work full time. You know? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. <laughs> I know. And, you know, you, you have to pay, you have to pay the tuition too, which is, that's right. Amazing. That's right. Yep. So, you know, I had, it was almost like the universe kind of supported me. Yeah. Unfortunate about that. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember telling my mom once, uh, I'm like, Oh, by the way, I'm quitting my sleep job and I'm going to acupuncture school. 
and massage school. And she's like, are you crazy? And I'm like, <laughs> but it was just, it was such a natural thing for me that I just did it without any reservation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, but, but, you know, sure. There's, there's some obstacles and um, I was probably overwhelmed at some point because acupuncture school, even massage school, I mean, especially acupuncture school, like the curriculum is pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to do all the pre-med courses. Um, we got tested. We had comps every year. It was a pretty, it was a very rigorous program. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I tend to, I think about one of my, when I was in massage school, one of my teachers t- um, gave us sort of this really nice gift at the end of the semester. And basically before she gave us the gift, she said, you know, I was in a situation where I didn't think I was going to get out of it. I had so much to do. You know, I think with her thing, it was probably like getting out of debt or some sort of crisis, you know? And she goes, I realized that I, you know, I can eat the elephant, but I can't eat the elephant at one sitting. I need to do it in different bites Uh along the way. And then, you know, she passed out you know, these little tiny white elephants, you know, oh my God, little, that's so cute. And so they really, it really sank in. And, and I think that's really, that's, that's the case. It's like, you have this big mountain that you need to climb, but you know, you kind of do it one step at a time. Um, so, you know, I was fortunate enough and I came out the other end and, you know, I was a little tired and fatigued, but had a couple more gray hairs, but it all, it all kind of, it all kind of worked out. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And so tell us a little bit about your clientele. I know, I know I refer a number of people to you that have really chronic complex illness. Yeah. Um, so, so, but share with us a little bit about, you know, your clientele. Well, um, the clientele, um, well, I like to consider myself specializing in chronic pain conditions. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, that's the first thing. So I like, I like um, working with, individuals who have chronic pain for a long time and they're kind of at their wits end, you know, they don't know what to do. So I like that idea where I need to be creative and listen, do a lot of listening and um, figure it out. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like that a lot. Um, So we have a lot of chronic pain uh, folks, but then with chronic pain, you're also going to get a lot of internal conditions as well. You know, like, obviously high blood pressure, you're going to get depression. That's, you just randomly pick someone, right? They're going to have some mental health. You know, a lot of folks in the general population have these challenges as well. So, but I think more so with folks with chronic pain and, you know, just stressful, um, you know, uh, life, you know, uh, stressful life events, those kinds of things. Um, So um, I see average age of my clients, probably, I don't know, 50, 50 to 60. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, you know, I, I see, all, I also see kids too. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of interesting as well. And then I have a couple of elderly people on the other end. Right. So I have a, I have a client who's 89 and I have a client who's 90. You know? Yeah. I mean, and I remember while we were uh, through the whole COVID thing, when we would touch base, you told me that those people were adamant about making oh, sure yeah. that they came to you regularly to keep their immune system intact. Right. That was so cool. And, yeah. And just to sort of, yeah, just for the support, right. And that connection, you know, yeah. you need, we're, we're so also isolated, you know, and, and that's part of the, that's part of the, I think the healing phenomenon is 
you know, with appropriate boundaries, of course, with your yeah. clients, but you, you form these relationships with, with these supportive relationships with people. And a lot of times people don't have the opportunities to, to really have genuine, authentic relationships. You know, right. Sad, right. Mm -hmm. And especially now with COVID. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting um, because you're, as you can imagine, you're, you know, you see people on a regular basis and there's this conversation and this um, dialogue that happens, you know, which I think is can't, you can really use that to be, uh, to, to continue this therapeutic effect during the session. It's so true. I mean, in many ways, it's, it's akin to therapy. I mean, even though you're not, you're not a therapist, but yeah. you're, you're carrying on some of that therapeutic modality because somebody can just let loose. I know there's many times I cried on the table um, because you're, you're kind of, you know, unlocking the chi, you know, the energy flow and just allowing yeah. it to just pour out, which is wonderful. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. So where do you see, uh, and this is a, an interesting question that I try to ask everyone that I'm interviewing is where do you see the intersection of conventional medicine and what we call alternative, although this has been around for thousands of years, even before mm. conventional medicine, um, where do you see them sort of intersecting and, and moving forward together in the future? Or do you? I know well, <laughs> a big sigh. <laughs> yeah, that was a sigh. Um, Look, I, I think I think it's a, I think you have to balance it right now, just ethically, um, yeah. you know. And but you know, I think that if you provide alternative treatments to the folks, to, to patients and clients that are effective, everything else sort of fades away, you know. Um, so a lot of people, you know, they need to make a shift in their consciousness, you know, and a lot of times the folks that come to me, they've already been, they've already had surgeries, they've already had cortisone shots, you know? Yep. And so you basically, in a way, the, the work, the after effects of the work kind of speak for itself. Yeah. For itself, you know? Um, but I can tell you that, you know, part of, part of really what's happening right now is I hear all the time and, and you, should, you, should, you probably know, you hear the similar stories as well. You have patients that have physicians that don't really have really good bedside manner, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's, that's really a sad thing. And, and so you need to empower the patient. But the other thing is that you have to realize that, I mean, if you look at the I might be sort of going on a little tangent here, but if you really look at the placebo data, right? The placebo effect that mm -hmm. everybody talks about, right? Mm -hmm. If you, there's a researcher here from Harvard named Ted Kapchuk, and he was actually an acupuncture teacher in our facility, but he's a Harvard researcher right now. And mm -hmm. so he's kind of the world's leading authority on the placebo effect. And so what he did is he, you know, and I'm sure you heard about some of these studies with acupuncture where you had the treatment group that received acupuncture and then the control group that received placebo, right? And that was called something called sham acupuncture, right? Uh-huh. And um, so where they just sort of, they don't insert the needles, they just put something there. And so the, the sham acupuncture folks with these, this group of, I think it was IBS patients, right? Your bowel center patients, they actually did just as well as 
the acupuncture treatment group, right? So then everyone's like, oh, acupuncture is just a placebo. But then Ted's like, huh, isn't that interesting? Have you heard about this? No, no, oh, this is really interesting. So, so what yeah. he did is, is he, he had to go through all these, you know, loops, you know, and um, these little uh, jump through all these hoops with the research, you know, IR Institute Review Board and, and those types of things. But what he did is he basically designed a study with IBS patients. And later on, he also did it with depression too, depre mm -hmm. uh, mood disorders. And so what he did is he went in and he had two groups, they were randomized, and he told one group that they were going to receive, that he told both groups that they were going to receive a placebo, right? Mm -hmm. And what he didn't tell them that the person that was going to give them the, the sham acupuncture, he had two groups of practitioners. One group was really nice and courteous and adjusted the pillow and, and, and they, and they, went through all these painstaking things were actually filming the interactions yep. between the practitioner, right? Uh -huh. And then they had another group with, that didn't have a very good bedside manner, right? Yeah. And so then they looked at the results and they're like, ah, this is it, right? So really what, 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 the, what the end of the story is, the storyline here is that if you have a really nice practitioner, right, they also contribute to your treatment outcome. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. That, yeah, that makes and, so much sense. And it's so, and it's so important, especially, you know, in our healthcare system, because as we know, and as I hear from clients and I've encountered, you know, this situation myself, you get patient or you get physicians and clinicians who just don't have very good bedside manner. Sure. You know? And if they would just soften up just a little bit and kind of connect a little bit, you know, with, you know, with, with, with their patients, you know, your outcomes are going to be more positive. Right. Absolutely. So it's, just a, it's just a really interesting sort of thing. And, you know, they did this also with, um, with different illnesses and conditions too. I think depression was actually one of them as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's really important. And I, I try to remember that when I'm working with clients as well, you know, cause clients are kind of sensitive and if you can, I mean, that's all part of having a successful practice too, because you obviously want people to come back you of know, course. for, for follow-up treatments and things like that. But it's really an important uh, part of, of uh, a person's healing, um, you know, whether it be alternative or, you know, rather Western, you know, allopathic medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. That relationship is so important. You know, last week I was binging on a summit. It was the Chi Summit out here in uh, California. I don't know if you've heard of them. But uh, Lynn McTaggart, who I became familiar with a number of years ago, she's done a number of studies on, again, you know, that whole idea of transference of energy, Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, all these people in terms of quantum science. But, you know, it's again, it's that power of our thoughts uh, and what we're, what we're promoting to the other person gets absorbed, you know, it gets mm -hmm. transferred to that other person. And it's real, right. it's real true. I know when I started telemedicine, I actually started it before it became a thing, because it was during my own quarantine for cancer, uh, was one of my psychiatry colleagues at Newton Wellesley who said, why don't you do Skype? And I'm thinking, I like the interaction. I like being with the patient. What's that going to be like? Mm -hmm. um, and it ended up actually being fine and wonderful. So, I mean, thank God, because that's pretty much the way we practice medicine now. But, um, but there's something to be said for still hands-on healing, So, which, oh, yeah. you get, which you get to offer. Yeah. And, and you just reminded me of something. Um, so I would just want to talk a little bit about technology because you talked about the Zoom, right? The Zoom interactions. So yeah. 
Um, let me see how, let me see if I can remember, remember this. Um, oh, so basically, you know, I think with Western medicine, what's happening also on the background is the technology is actually not doing us any favors in terms of healing, the healing response. And, and you know, we th I, think it's, I think it's sort of masquerading like it's something really good, but if we really look at technology and we can even wait, go back to the, uh, I forget exactly the guy's name, but it was from, it was a French uh, um, physician and entrepreneur, but I think it was 1819 or 1820, something like that. But he, uh, could be wrong with the date, he basically developed the stethoscope. Uh-huh. Right? Ah, yes, and, yes, yes. And, uh -huh. and prior to that, you know, clinicians would have to put their their ear, ear? Yep. on to hear the heart, right? Right. And so from that start of that stethoscope, right? Yeah. That physician-patient relationship keeps distancing. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? Great point. And yeah. And then, you know, we end up getting, you know, even with, even with uh, sleep studies that I did, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they're called uh, polysomnographic studies, right? So you get the sleep tracing, right? So a lot of times, and, and this happens with x-rays and CAT scans and, and blood work, right? So we just look at the technology, right? Gives us the information, but we lose, a lot of clinicians lose that connection with the patient. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I think that's, I think we need to really look at that um, in terms of what, what we're doing and you know, and then, and then we have COVID right with, with the, with all the, uh, the zoom medicine as well. So yeah. it's just, you know, I, I just think it really, we need to really look at that. That needs to be part of if there is a revolution in, in, in revitalizing Western medicine and our healthcare system, Mm -hmm. um, which we can, you know, be critical about. There's probably some good things about it, but that really needs to be looked at, you know? Yes, I so the, agree. The patient relationship, patient-physician relationship. Yeah, yeah, wow. Great conversation. So what three tips would you give people uh, today moving forward in this confusing healthcare world? Wow. Um, <laughs> probably, could give you, probably could give us 10, but yeah. Well, if I had, if I had time to think about it, maybe. Um, I think the first one is really along the lines that we're talking about. I mean, I think that we need to, patients need, need to empower themselves mm -hmm. to um, find clinicians, whether they be physicians or acupuncturists or nutritionists or physical therapists. Like you need to find a practitioner that you have a positive, that you can have that positive relationship with mm -hmm. you know, that can empower you. Right. And so that's, what I would say would be top on my list. Um, and let me see. I think the other thing is that in terms of orthopedic problems, mm -hmm. um, which I see a lot, a lot of folks jump to the elective surgeries and, and the Western medicine right away. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's probably their choice, but I think we really need, with chronic pain, one of the things I realized is like, early on is that the pain just doesn't come for no reason. Like the patients and the clients that we actually cultivate our own pain from yeah. doing repetitive activities. Sure. You know? And part of, part of, you know, like for example, for shoulder issues, right. Um, a lot of, a lot of people have left shoulder problems, right. So, 
or they have neck problems, right? But no one at really sort of spends the time and asks them, you know, do you sleep on your stomach, right? Or when you're driving, how high up is your left arm? Do you, you see what I'm saying on the steering mm-hmm. wheel, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I would caution people to really think about what am I doing in a terms of a repetitive activity, you know, that's contributing to my to my issues. That is a great point because a lot of that just becomes autopilot and then we don't even, we're not even aware. So part of it's that whole awareness building. And Ooh, I can great. tell you, yeah, and I can tell you not that I'm beating up on, 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 on the Western physicians, but you know, they spend very, you know, they spend five minutes or 10 minutes at most with their clients, right? They don't get into those dialogues. Correct. They just look at the x-rays and say, okay, you know, and they do the surgery, the procedure, and then that person goes back and continues to do the same repetitive thing over and over again, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's kind of number two. Um, number three would be, I really think that we all need to think about doing a lot of self-care, which our lives right now are just so busy. I mean, things yeah. have really changed, I think, in the last 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even before our cell phones, you know, I, I was talk, having a conversation with a friend of mine and things used to be so much simpler, you know? I st- we still had social, you know, social lives, but, you know, um, but we don't, our lives are so busy, we don't take the time to go out for a walk, get enough sunlight, drink enough water, um, a lot of things that we could do also is like, we need to think about moving in different ways, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, like yoga classes are really good. If you get appropriate yoga class, there's a lot of things you can do with trigger point therapy, um, meditation, breathing, you know, I really am a big fan right now of, of trying to decrease alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of, I, I kind of went that route and I, I can tell you, I feel so much better. It's challenging. I've had that but conversation three times today with my clients. <laughs> it makes a yeah. huge difference. You it know, does. Lots of substitutes that you can do and, yeah. you know, and, and I, you just feel so much better. Um, yeah. 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 Wow. Thank you so and, much, and Steve. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you have one more thing to say, go ahead, go for it. No, I was going to add, you know, with, with the sleep, mm-hmm. you know, my, my sleep background, you know, it's also like, make sure you get, you have enough sleep, you know, and yes. You're, you're appropriately, if you're Zooming at work, um, you know, you're not doing it from your bed, right? You right, a, a right, right, right. A lot of folks are doing, like they run their office, they're lying in bed, right? Which creates a whole myriad of problems. Wow. Thank you for bringing that up. That is so true because the bedroom is meant for sleeping and not for work and eating or yeah. everything, <laughs> and everything right. else. Yeah. I think we call it, we call it sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene. Yes, I have a handout called Sleep Hygiene. Sleep hygiene. <laughs> wow, this was amazing, Steve. So before before we uh, end here, I, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, okay. Um, oh, I have a website. It's called um, BodyworkRevolution.com. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can Google Steve Cunningham in Lexington, uh-huh. Massachusetts, and and uh, that'll that'll zoom you into my contact information and my website. Tell you a little bit more about my work and. Uh, and uh, what I'm doing here. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. And if you like this podcast, rate, review, and share with your friends, family, and coworkers. I am on a mission to change the current paradigm of healthcare and mental health care. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net on Instagram at Julie Freeman Mindful Wellness 
and on YouTube at Julie Freeman Functional Medicine La Jolla. Until next time. Okay, bye-bye.